Yo, guys, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of the Dynasty Optimist podcast. You got your boy Brad here holding it down. Uh, Andrew, my man, how did week five of the NFL treat you? Treated me really well. Um, treated me really well, honestly. Antonio Brown went off, and um, we're, uh, we're looking good. We're looking real good. Yeah, dude. Primetime games have been crazy, too. Last night's game was awesome. I, I loved it. We're recording this a little later, uh, recording it on Friday here, so we got to see the Thursday night game in week six. But no, that game was awesome. This It's been a good season so far. So good of a season that we're going to start it off here by uh, picking our conference championship and Super Bowl predictions um, of who we think is going to make it after week five, because, uh, you know, it's early enough in the season to tell who's going to win it already. Uh, we've determined that. So, uh, Andrew, how about you start it off with just the NFC? Just the NFC. All right, sounds good. Um, out of the NFC, I have the Buccaneers and the Rams facing off in the NFC Championship with oh, the Bucks okay. ultimately winning and advancing. Okay, okay. See, and I have the Buccaneers as well. Uh, this is the gross one. I got the Cowboys. Uh, I do have the Buccaneers beating them, but the Cowboys have looked awesome thus far, man. And the defense has looked much improved, which is what they really needed, uh, I think, to push them to the next level. So uh, yeah. how, about, how about your AFC? What do you got? Um, out of the AFC, we have the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo Bills matching up. And I have the Ravens ultimately winning and advancing. All right, all right. So I got the Bills like you as well. And... Uh, hurts me to say division rival i got the chargers in there dude staley is staley's taking them there but uh i got the bills beating the charger in the afc to to face the bucks in the championship uh who do you got winning in yours i mean come on you just don't bet against tom brady you never and i mean ever bet against the goat it's that simple and so. i am betting against him and i'm saying the bills are winning it all bills and you're gonna regret good. it oh you no. are going to regret it no shot no shot i'm regretting this one dude the bills look crazy good this year all right, let's move on to some power rankings updates here. So uh, I'm going to list this off. We'll talk about them just very slightly here. Not a ton to talk about in these, but uh, we got the Cleveland Steamboats still at the number one spot. We got the Sea Dogs at two. The Reno Royals at three, jumping the Chicago Southsiders, who are at four. Uh, real quick on that one, uh, only reason that happened is because my team, uh, I didn't think, had the star power to like really make a huge scoring output. Uh, I changed that last week when I scored, I think, 203 or 204 or something. Uh, I did have the week one victory against him, so uh, I gave myself a little bit of the nod there. Uh, five, we've got the Richmond Raiders. Six, the Baltimore Bombers, the real big mover of the week. Seven, Jacksonville Juicers. Eight, Washington War Machines. Nine, Denver Aussies. Ten, Philadelphia Air Rats. Eleven, Prestige Worldwide. And twelve, the Columbus Curb Snoppers. So uh, the only real things to talk about there is we've got the Baltimore Bombers jumping up to six and the Washington War Machines falling down to eight. Uh, we're going to talk about the Bombers a little bit more later as it's sneak peek, uh, but... War Machines just keep falling, rising, falling, and I, I don't know if they're going to rise again. What do you think, man? Do you think they're kind of stuck at eight now? Uh, do you see them rising again at some point? Uh, yep. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit uh, later with the War Machines more in depth. However, no. Uh, unfortunately, I do not have the War Machines making the playoffs. Uh, a little sneak peek there, and I don't think they're going to go really any farther. I think they might jump up to number seven and, um, you know, I get the nod over the juicers mostly because the juicers have a lot of tough matchups coming up and I mean, they've benefited from a lot of really low scoring opponents. They have like 116 points per game. I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? There's no way that, you know, you can uh, win against some of these top teams with 116 points per game, but 
Uh, the nuttiest part is the Madden division, which is the the second you know second place team, third place team, and fourth place team all uh, four and one. And that that division is so stacked that uh, it's really really fun to watch. You know, all you guys fight for that number one spot. Yeah, I personally. I mean, it sucks to be in such a good division because it's really hard to win it, but I love the competition. It's super fun. Uh, and with our rules of uh, you got to have a division winner uh, or all the division winners make it immediately. I kind of like that. So uh, that way we can get some of the other guys in the playoffs and uh, uh, create some more uh, divisional rivalries, which is super fun. Um, let's move on to some NFL news here, man. Uh, let's talk about the Seahawks. What, what are we going to do without Russell Wilson? We haven't seen, I think I saw the report today that this was the first time Russell Wilson's ever been on IR before. Russell Wilson just doesn't really get hurt. And if he does, it's for a minimal amount of games. Uh, he's out six to eight weeks, which is what was first reported. Um, what does this mean to the team, man? Uh, I mean, Tyler Lockett, is he, what, what do you think, where do you think he's going to be at? DK Metcalf. Uh, and now we got Chris Carson on IR too, man. What, what are we doing with the Seahawks? Uh, with the Seahawks, I mean, unfortunately, if you are a DK Metcalf manager, you, you, you're going to start him. You're just going to start him either way. It doesn't matter who's the quarterback. Uh, you know, Geno Smith. I mean, Geno Smith is, I think he's a serviceable option. Uh, I, I think you expect more so like 160 to 200 passing yards in that offense instead of the 250 plus that you see with Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson's going to be gone for, I think, uh, three weeks minimum because of the IR, but it could be a five-week in injury, excuse me, just like Drew Brees, um, you know, when he had that uh, that thumb issue. And then what's really interesting is Dr. Shin was the uh, the individual who performed the surgery for both players, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. But with Tyler Lockett, probably a WR3 with TD upside. And then DK Metcalf, a WR2. You could easily roll him out as a WR2, but I don't expect WR1 numbers out of DK Metcalf. Uh, kind of like what you want out of your, you know, probably your first wide receiver drafted in redraft or, you know, WR1, excuse me, in Dynasty. Uh, Alex, Coll Alex Collins, excuse me, a very serviceable RB2 with RB1 upside. 20 to 25 opportunities, more so, right? with, you know, um, carries out of the backfield and receptions. DJ Dallas, bro. Rajad Penny, where are they? I mean, are they just dead in the water? Like, I know DJ Dallas is one of your, your uh, you know, truthers or, you know, truther options, excuse me. So what do you think about that? Um, I personally, I think Rashad Penny's dead in the water. I, I think he's been dead in the water. I don't really know if there's any value there with him, um, especially because Alex Collins got signed like late in the off season, uh, to even though they knew Penny would be back after just a couple weeks, it's, it doesn't really matter. Alex Collins came over there and took over the job. Uh, DJ Dallas, on the other hand, he's, I, I, I liked him coming out of the draft. I never really thought he would be a, like a stud fantasy option in the NFL. I thought he might be able to have like Naheem Hines potential, uh, like a good receiver out of the backfield. He really hasn't gotten the touches yet. He got, I think, uh, 22% of the snap share last week with Chris Carson out. Um, he did, he, plays a lot when on third as a third down back both receiving and he's a great pass blocker and he also gets some stuff in the return game i know he's a kick returner slash punt returner sometimes mostly kick returner for them um i'm not a huge fan of uh the fantasy output going forward but he could turn into a naheem hines type guy if they don't want to give the ball uh through the air to alex collins anyways but um do you really see D dk metcalf as a, a high-end wide receiver too low-end wide receiver too it's kind of tough with geno smith because i don't know if he's gonna be able to chuck the ball deep uh, like Russell Wilson. I know you said he's a WR2, but is that a high or a low? What do you think? Uh, absolutely. In my opinion, it'd be a low. 
I would, if I was starting DK Metcalf, I would expect, you know, middle of the road WR2 numbers, probably maybe like 16 to 20. You know, I wouldn't expect uh, more so higher end, like maybe wide receiver 13 or 14, maybe like in the 18 to 20, like I said. So yeah, I wouldn't be super excited, but you know, I, I think he'd be a solid rocks, you know, a rock start, excuse me, a rock solid start for, uh, you know, just your regular wide receiver position. Yeah, he's he's still a good player. I he's a great talent, so I don't see him going away fully. But uh, it's tough to see the high end upside with him. I agree with that. Uh, I would say probably right around WR twenty for me. Um, let's move on to the Raiders. Um, John Gruden's out. That was a huge surprise. We're not going to really talk about the everything going into that as this is more fantasy based. But John Gruden is out, and that does mean a lot for the team, uh, mostly in the future. Uh, and since this is dynasty, it's we talk about the future. Um, this year, I personally, I I'll, I'll let you kind of give your input as well. But personally, uh, as a t- guy that follows the Raiders, obviously is a huge Raiders fan. I don't see a ton changing. Play calling will change some because John Gruden was the play caller for the Raiders. But uh, it's everybody that they have on their roster outside of their defensive coordinator is or out of their coaching staff. I'm sorry, not their roster. They've they're all John Gruden guys. They've been with John Gruden in the past. They've been with John Gruden since he first started with the Raiders. They all have a similar philosophy on what the offense is. And I don't think that's going to change a whole lot this season. I'm curious to see if Gruden leaving does anything with player morale on the good end or the bad end, though. Um, I do think it kills the value of most Raiders dynasty assets though including guys like Darren Waller Josh Jacobs high-end dudes I I just don't know if they're gonna get the same usage as they did with John Gruden uh especially Darren Waller um maybe he, he, he they still will this year uh but going forward I doubt it I the Raiders are probably gonna blow it up and bring in some new coach uh what do you think of their dynasty assets in going into the future also what do you think about this year do you think they're still usable this year or what what are your thoughts on the Raiders well the Raiders are currently the 13th team great you know graded via PFF and I don't expect the Raiders offense to improve necessarily but I don't expect them to kind of be on the decline either I expect the coaching staff without John Gruden, basically, like you said, all of the, you know, coaching uh, options in that organization are his cronies. I mean, it was basically John Gruden and his cronies just rolling in and they're going to just try and maintain the ship. They're going to just try and keep it afloat, do exactly what John Gruden did and maybe try and think like how, you know, John Gruden would to maintain their current like scoring trajectory. I feel like Darren Waller is still going to be fun on targets, mostly because I don't have a lot of faith in Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. I'd like to see them more involved, but who knows what will happen there. Um, If the season becomes a total dumpster fire, then I can see Derek Carr easily on his way out of, uh, of Las Vegas. And if, you know, if there's a lot of GMs out there that should be just, Biting at the bit, trying to scoop up Derek Carr if the Raiders do let him walk or put him on the trade block or whatever the situation is. Because Derek Carr, in my opinion, is easily a top 13-ish quarterback. You can make a few arguments in the top 13 to 14. But uh, there's a lot of organizations with really good rosters that are just missing that that piece. And Derek Carr could easily come in and win games with a much more talented football team than the Raiders have. So, uh, but... I would not be confident if I was a, a fantasy manager starting pretty much anyone on that team besides Darren Waller. 
You know how I feel about Josh Jacobs. I don't like Josh Jacobs. I don't care for him. I think his dynasty uh, value, his value, excuse me, is just on the decline. And I don't see it. I don't really see any opportunity to sell him high or whatever the situation is. I just think he's a declining asset. So Ruggs, Jacobs, Edwards, Carr, if you're starting any of those players, you really, to me, you need to pivot. You need to look to pivot, especially if you really want to contend this season. You need to like make your mind up. Can I contend? And if the answer is yes, you probably should pivot. So I don't disagree at all. Um, real quick before moving forward, we have some breaking news. And I know you probably wanted to talk about this a little bit later with uh, one of our other one of our other teams we're talking about. But uh, a trade just went through in our league. And since this this podcast is about our league, I'm going to put you on the spot. You just traded Dawson Knox for Kadarius Tony and a fourth round pick. Uh, what? Wait, that just happened? It just happened. It just no, happened I... five minutes ago. It just happened. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it go through on my phone. So hey, it just happened. So you got Kadarius You're... Tony. <laughs> You're just uh... <laughs> breaking some wow. news here for you. Uh, oh god, I'm so happy right now. Holy what do you shit. What do you think about Tony? I just. just um... I want to hear it. Not okay, for, sure, sure, sure. No, absolutely, absolutely. I'd love, you know, I definitely deserve to be put on the spot here. Uh, so with Kadarius Tony, I did not like him at all coming into the draft. I mean, when the Giants drafted him, I was like, what? Like a first round pick on Kadarius Tony? Like, what? What do you? That was, that was almost as, as surprising, excuse me, as the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, drafting running back. Can't, can't remember his name right now. Etn. Etn. Yes, Travis Etn. And. I, I I didn't care for his profile. I don't. I still don't care for his profile. Even you know, looking at it now from from a metrics point of view, his you know low dominator rating, low breakout age, etc. You know, really low points per uh, excuse me yards were yards per route ran. Didn't care for it. And now uh, with Kadarius Tony, I I know I, I don't really like drawing comparisons to like really elite players in the NFL. But the last time that I saw a player as electric as Kadarius Tony was Tyree Kill. And I know that Tyree Kill is a different, totally different player than Kadarius Tony, but they do have, they both have, you know, elite speed, but Tyree Kill is on a different level, right? But I made the mistake of telling someone else to, uh, you know, uh, pick up Tyree Kill and roster Tyree Kill. And I'm, I've been kicking myself in the ass every single day since then because I've had to watch him produce and produce at a really high level, uh, you know, ever since then and not have, not have him on my team. So I, I promised myself whenever I saw a player like Tyree Kill, as electric as Tyree Kill, I would acquire that player. I would go out and send whatever I needed to to get it done, obviously within reason. Uh, but the, um, the range of outcomes for Kadarius Toney the sky's the limit, in my opinion. He could flame out, and he could be just a total bust and burn out. But in my opinion, you don't accidentally have a 90 PFF grade with like 189 yards and 10 targets. That doesn't just happen on accident. So, yeah. And uh, talking about the pre-draft thing, that this is one of the times that, uh, well, not one of the times. I mean, there's a lot of times this occurs. But I'm more of a film-based guy. You're more of an analytics-based guy. We this is this is very obvious information. I agreed on the pre-draft process of Kadarius Tony. I didn't have him super high. I think I had him as like my WR10, both pre and post-draft. Um, I like him. I liked him at that time. He was electric, didn't run a lot of routes. Most of his, uh, from what I could see anyways, that most of his production came out of uh, just 
manufactured touches. Uh, granted, they were like crossers and things like that, so he could obviously run some routes, but it wasn't a lot of all screen passes and whatnot. But I just didn't know if he could do it in the NFL. Um, these past two games without a lot of their other weapons, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, uh, Kenny Galladay, he shined. I mean, he had attention from the defense. He was breaking dudes' ankles left and right. And then, I mean, like you said, I don't like drawing comparisons, but he does have the electricity of Tyreek Hill. Uh, I don't know if he has the long speed necessarily because Tyreek Hill's long speed is crazy, but that quick feet, which is really the difference maker with Tyreek, I do think he has. And he's got good size to him too. He's six foot. I mean, he's, he's a good size player. He's uh, To me, he's like a quick Henry Ruggs. It's maybe not total long speed, but he's got the ability to uh, make catches over players and things like that, like Henry Ruggs does. Uh, some people may disagree with that, but he, he does have contested catch ability like Henry Ruggs. All right. Uh, anything else on that? Uh, the only thing I want to add is he did play quarterback. Uh, you'd have a stint playing quarterback. I believe it was in high school, not college, but, uh, you saw him, you know, involved with trick plays. You saw, you know, uh, Jason Garrett trying to cook up some plays with Kadarius Tony. And in my opinion, Kadarius Tony is just a no brain start for the giants. Not really necessarily for fantasy managers. I still feel like that's a little bit risky and you're really plugging him and just, plugging him in, excuse me, and just really hoping for, uh, you know, more electricity. But I really don't like the passing options there for the Giants. And the Giants, in my opinion, desperately need electric playmakers now that Saquon is unfortunately, you know, hindered again by an injury. So I really hate Kenny Galladay, in my opinion, it's a bum. I, I hate Kenny Galladay. He's always been a bum, in my opinion. He's always been a f like a fake alpha. People are always like, oh, he's an alpha wide receiver. No, I think he's a, a fake alpha and if they can just put him back into his original role, which was just to run deep and, you know, try and burn people and be that big 50-50 guy, sure, that's fine. But Kadarius Tony, in my opinion, should be the focal point of the offense now that Saquon Barkley is not in the game. So Totally agree. Totally agree. I like that move for both of you. Dawson Knox has been looking good, too. So I like that side for uh, the Bombers. All right, let's move on here. Uh, enough about Kadarius Tony. I was just curious because he wasn't a super high-end asset, and then you just went out and bought him. So I had to put you on the spot. It's only fun. Um we can't go past this. Is Antonio Brown the Bucks wide receiver one? The answer is yes. <laughs> it's, it's a no-brain yes. I mean, uh, Antonio Brown, in my opinion, is the Julian Edelman of the Bucks offense. He, it's just it's plain and simple, in my opinion. He's the one that Tom Brady trusts. He looks his way often. And he looks to, to Antonio Brown to bail him out in situations, just like he looked to Julian Edelman. The last three games, he's had 32 targets, 23 catches, 280 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, think of the value there. I mean, pre you know preseason, you could have you could have Antonio Brown for just cheap. I mean, super cheap. Um, and if you bought you know if you went in and bought Antonio Brown, you are you know you're just dancing every single Sunday, or in this case, in the la you know yesterday Thursday, but. Uh, unfortunately, it forces other fantasy gamers to trot out their wide receivers that are not named Antonio Brown um, and just hope their number's called, right? He He's the guy on your starting roster that you should have had for dirt cheap. And he is, in my opinion, just the alpha in that offense and should, you know, him and Gronk should be like the go-to targets. And then Mike Evans is going to have his bust weeks. Even, you know, he, throughout his entire career, he's always had bust weeks. But now... With Antonio Brown and Gronk, you're going to have bus weeks out of Godwin and now also Evans. So uh, I didn't. The only reason I was I faded Godwin this season was because of Antonio Brown. I knew that with Antonio Brown, 
in Tampa Bay, it immediately devalues Godwin. And, you know, it's unfortunate for all fantasy managers that have Godwin rostered, but I think that's just the way it is. I think he, Antonio Brown has to be on his way out to see Godwin really ascend. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, you can't argue with 13 targets last night. That's uh, that's pretty insane. I like the Edelman uh, comparison, even though it's a completely different offense. To, to Tom Brady, he kind of is his Edelman. All right, so let's move on to some league news. Um, this is one I'm pretty excited to talk about. Uh, it's, it's a really, really intriguing team here, man. The Baltimore Bombers. Uh, so they're currently in line to make the playoffs. Uh, they beat the War Machines last week, and they took a really convincing lead over them. Uh, we know that every division every division winner makes the playoffs and right now they are winning their division they have a competitive roster uh their running backs are a little uh, i shouldn't say a little shallow their running backs are shallow they have Najee harris and ceh who is currently on ir and that's it but the rest of their roster is honestly even kind of deep their quarterbacks aren't amazing but they have a couple young guys like smith Pittman, and well they had tony at what at one point but not anymore uh but they, they also have marquise brown who i should not have traded away uh that are really i mean they're helping them compete they kind of make it scary each and every week for uh the high-end uh, uh people looking to compete this season um while i don't think the bombers are necessarily championship ready in 2021 with all of their picks in 2022 they they truthfully just are. They they can be. They whether that be they draft a bunch of rookies that can help them score at least some points, or if they trade them away for some uh, higher end known commodities, they they could be in competing in twenty twenty two. Do you see them as a threat this year? Uh, what do you think about their future? I absolutely think they're a threat to not really the top teams in the uh, league, but they're definitely a threat to the war machines. <laughs> Unfortunately, the bombers, in my opinion, are poised for a playoff berth. Uh, w- because of the struggling one, soon to be one in five war machines after this week. I hate to put you on the spot, Dave, but you know, you know, I love you, but your team, man, I'm just, I ran the 14 week schedule with the, you know, did a quick prediction. Didn't really do a lot of math involved, just kind of like skimmed the rosters, skimmed the bye weeks and went through the entire 14 week schedule. And I have the bomb, the bombers winning the Belichick division and advancing with a record of eight and six. And I have the machines losing with a record of six and eight. I mean, that that is just extremely disappointing, in my opinion, for a team that I thought was going to easily win the Belichick division. I did not see the Baltimore Bombers coming in and having a shot at winning this division. Unfortunately, the War Machines did have a really rough kind of five-game schedule and lost a gimme week. You really can't lose a gimme week, especially... Uh, in this league where like we have that stacked division that all three teams are going to make the playoffs. You have to win your division or you're not going to get a wild card spot similar to the Richmond Raiders. You're, you're you're not going to get a playoff position with those three teams, you know, all stacked in one division. So they have some really, like you said, they have some really, really good players. I'm actually, uh, I actually totally forgot that you used to roster Marquise Brown and is there any way you can just bring that trade up for me real fast? I'm really curious to see how it's panned out. Oh, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, keep talking. I'll pull it up. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you have, they had Tony, obviously, like you said, but they bring in a new, they bring in a tight end, which we all know tight end premium is here and here and is here to stay. So you really need to make sure you have that position ready to go, especially the touchdown upside. I can't stress enough how important, you know, obviously we get, 
an additional 5.15 points per reception for each tight end, but really is what makes, you know, really what makes him makes or break that week, especially from the tight end position is the touchdown, man. And Dawson Knox has been just scoring. I mean, he's just scoring. I don't know. I was shocked to see the amount of touchdowns that man is scoring, but he's easily putting up 15, 18, 19 point weeks because of those touchdowns. The volume isn't really high. Uh, you know, usually it's like five targets, you know, a roughly five targets for three or four receptions, but he just keeps scoring. And obviously there's regression there, just like with, uh, you know, any player that's constantly scoring touchdowns, there's always regression to come. But I feel like unless you have those high-end guys, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, uh, Darren Waller that are getting like constant volume, your next best bet are guys that score touchdowns because you're not going to get the volume from those other tight ends. So honestly, I think Dawson Knox is a great start and I think he's going to be a top eight tight end uh, after the season. So. Yeah, I love Dawson Knox. I have him in uh, a couple other leagues, and I, uh, dude, I'm excited for him. Um, I got that trade pulled up. Everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> I'm gonna preface with that. Everybody, everybody has those regrettable trades. I know we all do. So uh, here we go. So I gave Churro Marquise Brown and a 2021 third. He gave me <sighs> Gerald Everett. See it. Denzel Mims in a 2021 fourth. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he swindled me. Oh, oh man. He just robbed you blind, bro. He found my weakness of Denzel Mims, and he swindled me. Oh, I'm so sad about that. It's oh, Marquise Brown oh, is having a man. great season. And it, really, it's on the back of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's increased uh, passing efficiency is just absolutely crushing the league it's nobody saw it coming i mean he kind of got forced into it with all the injuries at running back but marquise brown is dominant man but i just finish it off with the churros i with churros team baltimore bombers i i like the direction they're going uh they can they kind of have the control of their own destiny at this point uh they could be uh, competing next season with a bunch of veterans and just trying to go for a title or they could be a long-term success in this league because they even have picks in 2023 i mean he's he's got one of the the most fun dynasty rosters i have ever seen uh literally ever seen all right let's move on to the weekly matchups so Let's start off with some not-so-close projected games, at least via sleepers projections. Um, So first game we're going to talk about here is your team, the Cleveland Steamboats versus the Jacksonville Juicers. So the Juicers are coming in at 4-1, and and you're still undefeated. Uh, The Juicers are not scoring a ton of points, though. Um, Let me pull it up here. They are scoring 116 points per game versus your 166. Uh, So despite them only having one less loss than you, it's there's kind of a big disparity in that points per game uh they've beaten some lower end opponents um and now they're finally facing some uh some tougher teams so um they come up against you this week and really what i'm looking for in this game is uh, you're gonna hate to say this but i'm gonna call him out noah fans underperforming man um i know you love noah fan and he's uh, he's a good talented player but for he's had some decent weeks, but really this is his third year in the league and he's had a lot of targets uh, miss the season now with KJ Hamler. And I mean, Jerry Judy's not missing the season, but he's been out most of the season thus far and he just, he hasn't performed. So I'm looking for, is he going to finally have that game? Is he going to finally have that? I don't know, 10 catch hundred yard game with a touchdown uh, against the Raiders who have been 
not good against the tight ends. I'm really looking for Noah Fant to do something. Uh, and then for the juicers, uh, despite I do think you're going to beat him in this matchup pretty handily, uh, a couple guys I'm kind of looking at is uh, Jalen Waddle with Tua coming back. I think I saw that he was coming back. Um but I want to see what Jalen Waddle can do. He started off the season really hot with Tua. Since then, he hasn't really performed. He had that week three against the Raiders where he had like 12 catches for like, I don't know, it was like 60 yards or something like that, which is kind of hysterical stat line. Um, but also Odell Beckham Jr. He just isn't the same. Is he going to finally become the same against a team that has a high-powered offense in the Cardinals. Also, they're going to be missing Nick Chubb, so they may not have at quite as dominant as a run game as they normally have, so I, I'm looking at Odell. Is he going to finally step up, and uh, really, is the juicers going to hold on to Odell uh, going into the future? I don't know if he's going to be competing this year, despite a probable playoff berth. Um, I, I'm curious to see what he does with some of those veteran guys. Uh, thoughts on this game, this matchup with you and the juicers? Well, unfortunately for the juicers, uh, my points per game blow them out of the water. And it, it also doesn't help when you have Antonio Brown score almost 20 points, right? Uh, out of one position. Uh, you, you know, if you're the juicers, you really hate to see that, especially since um, Antonio Brown, I mean, some could argue he's like my WR5 that I'm starting on my roster, yeah, right? With T. Higgins and DJ Moore, Justin Jefferson. Oh, God, I love my wide receivers. Uh, but CD Lamb, even, you know, the, that's besides the point. Um, I want to touch on Noah Font. You know, you said Noah, you kind of called him out. And yeah, Noah Fant hasn't really had that ascension that I was really hoping for. In my opinion, I think that Noah Fant is a strong hold in Dynasty or even a buy because I'm kind of pushing all my chips into the Aaron Rodgers kind of basket at this point or, or the Deshaun Watson or someone, anyone, please. I mean... I, Noah Fant, unfortunately, was blocking for the majority of the Pittsburgh game. I mean, you had those, you know, those boys just rolling in trying to kill uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, Noah Fant was on blocking duty. And sometimes, you know, that's the unfortunate part about these tight ends is sometimes they're on blocking duty. They don't all line up out wide like uh, Kyle Pitts, for example. Kyle Pitts was lining up wide on like every play, bro. <laughs> He's just a wide receiver, you know, masquerading as a, a tight end. Yeah, that uh, you know, and, beautiful. Jeez, <laughs> oh, Mike. All right. First, Kyle, I'm so mad that Kyle Pitts didn't have his tight end. Kyle Pitts didn't have his tight end one week because of uh, Mark Andrews. That pisses me off. All right. You just robbed Kyle Pitts of his tight end one week. Um, but besides the point, I don't want to get off t too off track here. Jalen Waddle best desperately needs Tua back. Tua really loved throw Jalen Waddle and Kobe Brissett sucks. Jacoby Brissett, excuse me. I hate Jacoby Brissett. And Tua, I, he really unlocks kind of Jalen Waddle and that entire offense. It's kind of unfortunate for Gasicki owners because Gasicki really isn't involved in Tua's under center. But unfortunately for the Juicers, like I said, I'm just I'm just going to win this week. And he is going to be 4-2 and two unless, you know, my entire team just completely gets destroyed. But I feel like he could easily make a playoff berth even if, you know, he loses this week and mostly because of his division, so. Yeah, yeah. I He's probably going to win his division, probably going to make the playoffs. I hope they, I hope he, for his sake, they can step up in the playoffs. Uh, he does have some hurt guys that will be coming back, so, you know, I for like I said, for his sake, I hope they do. 
Um, let's move on to the next matchup that is looking like it's not going to be overly close, and that's going to be the Sea Dogs versus the Air Rats. So, Sea Dogs uh, coming in with only one loss as well, uh, barely behind me in our division. Our division's so close, you can't really call anybody a division leader at this point. Uh, we're all four and one, and we're all within two points per game of each other. So it's just, uh, man, it's a, it's a ride. Uh, but Sea Dogs, I'm really looking towards his tight ends. Uh, Kittle's on IR. Uh, Zach Ertz just got traded to the Cardinals. Had a good, had a decent outing last night. I. Th- Cardinals, I'm undecided on how that's going to be for him. There's a ton of targets in Arizona. Uh, it's going to be spread around a lot. But Max Williams was getting a lot of targets the past couple weeks prior to him uh, getting, unfortunately, injured. So Zach Ertz could be a viable option on a high-powered offense going forward this season. And he really needs it, like, like I said, with uh, Kittle going on IR. His other start, starting tight end right now is Jordan Aikens, which is rough. Uh, rough if you're trying to compete. Um Another thing I'm looking for this week is uh, actually on the other side with the Air Rats. I want to see Justin Fields perform. Um, I know he's being held back by the play calling and just Matt Nagy being Matt Nagy, but they're going to be playing the Packers this week. And the Packers are going to put up points on the Bears, and I want to see Justin Fields sling it around a little bit. Uh, they're, the, the, de- the Packers' defense is middle of the road, not amazing, but Justin Fields really hasn't had a single game that has shown me what I thought he could be and still think he can be. So I really want to see a big game from Fields this week. Uh, thoughts on the Sea Dogs and Air Rats? Uh, unfortunately for the poverty rats, the Denver Sea Dogs. You like that? I, <laughs> I like think you'd that. like that. <laughs> the uh, the Denver, Denver Sea Dogs are going to just win this week. You know, very pretty easily. They're just going to coast to a win. So if you're the you know if you're the Sea Dogs, you're probably just plugging in players that have you know a really good floor, not really worrying about the ceiling because you really don't need it. Justin Fields, I, I really really want to see Justin Fields take a take a step forward and hopefully perform well against Green Bay. I'm not worried about his long-term, you know, dynasty outlook at all, but it's more fun when you see those rookies, you know, have a showing and, you know, do really well. So the tight end situation for, for Denver Sea Dogs is bleak. I mean, you're starting Aikens, bro. Jordan Aikens. I mean, that is the, that's a desperation play. And that's, that's just a warm body play. Like, oh, I just need anyone to put in this spot. Fuck it, Jordan Akins. I mean, that'll work. So George Kittle, you know, has been unfortunately injured. So Zach Ertz, I think, I think his receptions might come down a little bit. I don't think he'll get like six targets a game. I think it might be like more three to four. But I think he'll have that touch that touchdown upside, uh, you know, because of uh, Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray's a stub. You all know who he is and you know what he likes to do. So as long as he doesn't run the ball into the uh, into the end zone himself. That's kind of unfortunate for pass catchers. But, you know, hey, I'm a Kyler Murray uh, manager, so I love it. But, uh, you know, it's just a powerhouse team versus a rebuilding team, unfortunately, for him. Yeah, um, I have a question for you. When do you think uh, the fire sale is going to come for the Air Rats? Because I imagine it's going to come soon. He has some usable uh, assets on there. I'm wondering if some of these other teams, uh, I mean, we've seen today alone, you and I both make trades. I mean, I don't know if yours wasn't exactly shooting for the contending trade. It's more of a long play, but mine was definitely a contention trade. I'm wondering if some other managers are going to start doing some trades because the, uh, the Air Rats have got some pieces out there. They've got Dalton Schultz. They've got Emmanuel Sanders, who's balling out with Josh Allen right now honestly they've got guys like Aaron Jones they got Daryl Williams who's gonna be playing with CEH I'm, I'm wondering when that fire sale is gonna happen you think oh what do, what do you think about the the assets he's got over there you think some teams are gonna be interested in those guys you think it's ever gonna happen 
Well, unfortunately for the uh, the rats, I don't think the fire sale is up to him. I mean, I know that he's... Well, I don't really know because I'm not really in his DMs, but I'm assuming that he's been putting out feelers all season. And you know, he has, like you said, he has some really nice pieces for contending teams, but I really, I think it comes down to people that are buying. And I don't know who's buying right now. The teams that should be buying, I don't really know if they're all, all up in his DMs right now trying to get those players, but, you know... Players like Richmond Raiders kind of, you know, uh, ring a bell. For example, the Juicers also come to mind. You know, those kind of two teams should be, if they really want to contend, should be in the in the Rats DMs and trying to get those players. Uh, I don't know how much they're going to cost, but you know, it might come to, it might come down to those teams just not buying at all, and the Rats maybe having to be forced to sell for a little bit less than that than what they're asking for and bring down those prices to get the buyer in there so yeah that's kind of what it's seeming like to me too it doesn't look like it's a good market for some sellers it's a it's a buyer's market right now all right let's move on to some closer matchups so we're going to start this one off with uh the reno royals my team versus the richmond raiders so i'm going to take myself in this matchup um Largely because I really like some of my running back matchups this week. I love Daryl Henderson against the Giants, love DeAndre Swift against the Bengals, and then newly acquired Kareem Hunt being alone in the backfield against the Cardinals hopefully should pay dividends. Um, This week, though, really from this game, I'm going to be looking at uh, how Daryl Henderson is doing because Daryl Henderson's been getting the workload. Last week, he did give up some carries to Sony Michelle, but it did seem like most of them were all on one drive uh, where Daryl Henderson was a little shaken up, but he's been getting a vast majority of the carries and the work in the backfield. So I want to see that continue um, for the Raiders. I'm wanting to see what Devontae Booker does in replacement of uh, uh, Saquon Barkley. I think that could help him out as he's had some troubles with his RB2 slot, starting Trey Sermon a lot of the time. And uh, really, I mean, he could be starting Jamal Williams as he's sharing time about 50-50 with uh, uh, DeAndre Swift. He's not getting as many uh, catches as DeAndre Swift, but he's getting a lot of carries. And uh, also, I want I, I'm want to see his tight ends continue to play like they have been recently. Jared Cook's been a nice option the past couple weeks. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say last week, but the week prior with the, I think he had like six catches for 80 yards or something like that in a touchdown. And then Hunter Henry has been turning on lately. He's running a lot more routes than Jonu Smith. He had eight targets last week, five targets the week before that, and then six uh, the week before that one. He's starting to get more involved in the offense, and that's really, really good for the Raiders moving forward if they're really trying to make that uh, playoff push as the tight ends has kind of been a struggle for him uh, being a huge position in this league with the tight end premium. So uh, who do you see win this matchup? What are you looking for in this matchup? Well, I have the Lorena Royals winning over the Richmond Raiders. And it, what's interesting is your team is actually kind of morphed into a similar team uh, like the Denver Seadogs, where you're starting four running backs with that, with that most recent trade for Kareem Hunt, which was a great acquisition for your team. It's really hard to compete with the, with the uh, you know, RB production in both flex positions as well because they just they're just consistent scores you know every single week they're going to touch the ball 15 to 20 times depending on the running back and they're going to have opportunities in the red zone on the goal line i mean it's really hard to match the production that a running back can give you wide receivers are a little bit more you know streaky in their scoring production they could easily put up you know like three points or five points but that you know they could also have those 15 20 point weeks you know just like the running backs 
but they don't get the guaranteed volume like the running backs do. So the unfortunate, you know, the other side of the coin is that they get hurt a lot more. And we've seen a lot of running backs go down and we've seen, uh, you know, a lot of people starting running backs like backups, for example, or even third strings uh, in your situation where David, David Montgomery went down and then Davian Williams, I think, got COVID. And so now you're starting Khalil Herbert. So and I know how much you'd love Khalil Herbert. I really don't know much about him and he really wasn't anything to me, but he's going to get guaranteed volume. And that's, all, you know, volume uh, in fantasy football is just king. So unfortunately for him, you know, Henry Ruggs, uh, I really don't know how this Raiders offense is going to do against Denver with the first week without John Gruden. So like you said, Booker is a great, you know, kind of spot start with Saquon Barkley out. But you know, those, that's, that's a temporary play. You know, unless Saquon Barkley just misses the entire season. Uh, obviously could happen, but I don't know. I don't feel like uh I don't feel like they have a chance to win this matchup with the amount of just, you know, consistent production that you're gonna have on your roster. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh and that's actually a great segue into our next matchup. So our next matchup is the Washington War Machines versus the Chicago Southsiders. So you were talking a lot about the consistent scoring about oh or with running backs. I think that's part of the War Machines problem right now is they have a Right now, they have uh, David Montgomery out, A.J. Dillon in their starting lineup. Granted, he is likely going to switch him out for Melvin Gordon. as It, it seems like Melvin Gordon's going to suit up. He had limited practices both Thursday and Friday. But right now, he has A.J. Dillon in his starting lineup as his, in his RB slot, not in the flex spot. He's starting all wide receivers in the flex, and they're just – wide receivers are streaky. They can give you those big weeks, but they're just not consistent like the running backs. And I think that's part of the War Machine's problem. Uh, I don't think – that they're going to win this week against the Southsiders and right the ship. It seems like the Southsiders should win. Uh, despite, honestly, I have a little bit of worries with the Southsiders roster now with some of the things that have happened in the NFL. Russell Wilson going down really hurts Tyler Lockett like we talked about earlier. And then I I mean, I don't expect it to change too much, but there's a slight worry with Mike Gesicki uh, with Tua Tungabailoa, uh, well, expected to start this week, allegedly, um, coming back as he, I don't even, I don't even think he had a target in week one uh, with Tua. Uh, or he might he might have had a target. He didn't have a catch for sure, though. So I that does worry me a little bit. But the consistency of the Chicago Southsiders roster with Zeke having a great season and Austin Eckler absolutely balling out, I just don't see him losing to the War Machines. He's projected to win right now by like 25, and he still has a guy on bye week in his starting roster. So I, I see it going the Chicago Southsiders way. Uh, thoughts about this matchup? Thoughts about the running backs on War Machines and uh, some of the guys on Chicago's team? Well, Chicago's team, you know, it's just really good in plain and simple. It's just one of the one of the you know better rosters in the league. Tyler Lockett having Geno Smith as his quarterback definitely hurts him, but you know Tyler, Tyler Lockett always has uh, you know TD upside. You know Mike Asiki, I think he had three targets week one, but didn't come down with any of them. I think it was zero catch, zero catches for you know on three targets. So that worries me. You know with uh, with Tua coming back, I really don't know how that's going to pan out for him. Allen Robinson still worries the hell out of me. Uh, I mean, Rob, Allen Robinson, there, there's people that aren't even starting Allen Robinson because, I mean, look at the upside. Five, you know, last week, for example, in week five against the uh, the Raiders, uh, five points. And then the week before that, seven, you know, 7.8, 3.7, 9.4, 6.5. What are you supposed to do with that? I mean, that's Henry Ruggs type of production. That's not Allen Robinson type of production. You could probably get that same production from 
you know, it's sad where you could just, you could just start Brandon cooks or you could start, um, some of these other, you know, middle, t- middle tier wide receiver two kind of veterans and get better production than Allen Robinson. So it's, it's just overall unfortunate for him. AJ Dillon. I mean, uh, bro, I feel really bad for Dave. I mean, I, I know he drafted Keyshawn Vaughn that one season with his first round pick. And then he traded another first or I can't, I don't know the exact trade, but it was another first round pick at least for AJ Dillon and his running backs, you know, trades have just never worked out for him. And I think, I think that really hurts him. You could have used those first round picks on actual, actual good players. I hate saying that, but I mean, you could, you know, use them on players that actually play and produce, Uh, but you know, he does have a lot of wide receivers. Like you said, that are starting, you know, Jacoby Myers I mean, Jacoby Myers. I don't think he's caught a touchdown since like, not even 20. I think he caught his last touchdown in like 2019 or some ridiculous stat. I'd have to actually look Jacoby it up. Myers does not have an NFL touchdown. Ever? Ever. Oh my God. It's even worse than I thought. I thought it was something ridiculous <laughs> like, no, la- like in 2019, but oof, that is not what you like to see. So yeah, I mean, this isn't a week to write the ship and he's going to be one in five. Unfortunately, I'm pretty sure next week he has a really, really cushy uh, matchup. So hopefully he can bounce back then, but it's, it's, it's desperation time for the war machines. And if you're the war machines, you have to be considering your, uh, you know, your future and what you should do. You know, I think, I think you should rebuild personally. If, if that was my roster, I just don't think you can compete with these teams with your injuries combined with some of the players just not doing well at all on your team and not performing. So, all right. So not to beat a dead horse, but. Here's a couple of guys that have scored more total points on the season than Allen Robinson. I know oh, we talked no. about Allen Robinson a lot, but here we yeah. go. This is this is a gross one. All right. Nelson Aguilar. <gasps> Kendrick Bourne. Oh, no. Khalif Raymond. Sammy who is that? Watkins. <laughs> who is that? Who is Khalif Raymond? I don't know who that is. <laughs> He's on the Lions. <laughs> oh, my God. Deontay Harris. <laughs> uh, AJ Green. And... Zach Pascal, just to name a few. It's not great. It's not great. That's that's rough sledding. Yeah. Yeah, really, that's... It's really bad. Really. How really do you bad. trot him out there? I mean, it's hard to sit him, obviously, but how do you comfortably start him unless you just have no other option? Uh, at this point, you you can't. I mean, until you see more from Justin Fields, uh, well, really, until you see more from Matt Nagy, in my opinion, I don't think it's Fields, but until you see more from that offense, we'll call it. Uh, I don't, I don't know how you can, I mean, really the Chicago Southsiders team isn't that deep, so he doesn't really have a lot of choice, but I, I, it's hard to do it. I, I'd almost start Tim Patrick over him. There's, I'm, I'll say it right now. I'd rather start. Oh, Tim I'd Patrick. absolutely start Tim Patrick over him. Tim Patrick has a, a better ceiling. Yeah, I fully agree. All right. So let's go to the next matchup here. This is the one I was debating between the matchup of the week. I ended up going with a different matchup, but uh, we'll talk about this one first. So we got prestige worldwide versus the Baltimore bombers. Um, But it's projected to be fairly close, less close now that prestige worldwide does not have Kareem hunt on his roster. Um, the Bombers, if they want to make the playoffs this year, I don't know if they want to or not based on getting a better draft pick, but if they want to make the playoffs this year, they need to win games like this uh, just to stay ahead. If they start losing games like these, these are the ones that will drop them below the War Machines because the War Machines, we think, should win these types of games uh, based on the star power that they do have. But some things I'm looking for in this game, 
I want to see Wentz progression a little bit. Um, he's started to look a little bit better, a little bit more comfortable in that Colts offense as the year has gone on. The Colts as a whole have looked a little bit better. I mean, they almost won the other game or the other, what was it, Monday night uh, that they played? It was a Monday night or Sunday? I don't remember. Whenever they played the Ravens. Um, that was a crazy game. But uh, he started to look better in that game. I want to see more progression out of Wentz. I also want Prestige Worldwide to uh, win this game because I want your pick uh, for Prestige Worldwide to be worse. To stop giving you a freaking top two pick as it is right now as you've got Prestige Worldwide's pick this year and next year. Um also with the Bombers, though, uh, I want to I want to see if he can make that playoff push. This is like I said, this is the week. I want to see if he can do it. He's going to have to do it without CEH. He doesn't really have another starting running back. I think he's starting Benny Snell right now as his RB2 just to have, a, like you said earlier in the episode, a warm body in there. I mean, he just doesn't really have much else to rely on. But this is a game the Bombers needs to win if he wants to make the playoffs. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, I do think the... The, the Bombers do need to win this matchup to keep their kind of streak going there. I mean, th that division's really easy to win, bro. I mean, I, f I feel like he could, um, I feel like he could lose this week and still uh, easily win that division. I know that sounds terrible because that really just hammers, um, you know, the War Machines down even farther and really kind of shows my lack of confidence in their roster and that team. But I don't, I don't even think the Bombers even want to make a playoff push. I mean, I've never asked the man before, but I guarantee if you ask the guy, you know, hey, do you really want to make a playoff push? He'd probably be like, nah. You know, I mean, if I make it, I make it. I can't really help that. I'm still going to start. You know, lucky, luckily for us, we don't have to, like, get on anyone's ass. He's just starting the best players available every single week. He's not, you know, throwing in these trash players with zero projected points trying to lose. He's actively trying to win, which is honorable, especially when you're a tank, you know, I don't want to say tanking, but you're, you know, you know that you're not a competing team with some of these high end rosters. So you're like, to heck with it. I'll just punt this season and look forward to 2022, which is loaded with draft capital for the Bombers. I love how you just had to throw it in there <laughs> that I own prestige <laughs> worldwide's first round pick in 2022 and 2023. You just, you just had, you couldn't help yourself. You just had to put that oh, in I there. Couldn't. It upsets me. Oh man. I love it. I love it. I know that, uh, there's some there's some teams or excuse me managers that uh, are a little envious of that, but uh, that, the point is that I think the Bombers are going to win, and I feel like uh, the Bombers could easily make a run if they really wanted to, but they seem like they're playing the more conservative route. They don't really want to trade those first round picks for you know develop uh, excuse me for producing assets. Now they'd rather just sit back, relax, and kind of watch the rest of the league or maybe the top five or six teams kind of duke it out. And then him, he's just going to chill. He's like, ah, to hell with it. If I win, I win. Cool. But if I don't, eh, no big deal. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good analysis. Um, all right. Let's move on to our matchup of the week. So this matchup of the week was a little bit closer in the projections prior to the Thursday night game. Then the Thursday night game happened and Thursday night Lenny, as he tweeted, happened and he went off. Uh, it's still going to I still think it's going to be a little bit closer than the projections show. But we got the Denver Aussies versus the Columbus Curb Stompers. So things I'm looking for in this, I want to see if the Curb Stompers can win a game because I well, prior to playoff Lenny going off, I really thought that this could be a winnable matchup. Uh, it's a little tougher now. I am going to take the Aussies in this one just due to that baseline of twenty seven point seven points from uh, Leonard Fournette, even though Jalen Reger goosed in this one, which, ooh, that's enough. That's one we're going to have to talk on a future episode about. Uh, that's that's a weird, curious case. But some things I'm looking for in this one. 
uh, Zach Moss on the Denver Aussies. He's is the takeover finally happening? I think everybody's been waiting for it because everybody knows that Devin Singletary is a jag. Zach Moss, I'm not calling him a stud. I think he's above average running back, maybe, maybe. But he's got 74% of the snaps last week, up from 56 the prior two weeks, and with only 28 in the second week. He had that weird non-healthy, healthy scratch in week one, whatever, doesn't really matter. He had 74% of snaps last week, and he also had four targets in the passing game, which we know targets in the passing game is what uh, makes or breaks running backs when it comes to fantasy football. Um, so I want to see what Zach Moss can do if he's going to continue the takeover. And then for the curb snompers, uh, Juju's out for the season. Chase Claypool takeover, it's got to happen, especially against a crappy Seattle Seahawks defense. He, I, I expect him to dominate. He better dominate. He's... Chase Claypool's had a better season than I think we really realize uh, with how badly Big Ben's been playing. He missed one week, but he's had 21.5 points last week, 14.1 the week before, and then 8.2 the week before that. But he also had 70 yards on three catches. Give the man man a better quarterback and some more targets, and I I think he can do a lot. And then also Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, So the Lions just lost Quintez Cephas for the season. Tyra Williams is still on IR. The only other wide receiver they have out there is Khalif Raymond, who we just talked about having more points than uh, Allen Robinson. But uh, TJ Hawkinson's a little hobbled out there. They just have the running backs to rely on outside of that. Amon Ross St. Brown is, I, we've everybody's known it since before the season. I know the curb stompers were super excited about drafting him for this reason. He might start scoring some points. He has, he's had eight targets each of the past two weeks, and he had uh, 65 or more yards in both of those weeks. No touchdowns yet. Jared Goff has been talking him up re- recently, talking about him being a great future slot receiver, as well as even an outside receiver. Jared Goff sees him as uh, an outside guy, despite projections mostly projecting him into the slot. What are you thinking about the curb snoppers? You think they might have a chance in the uh, against the Aussies, despite Fournette absolutely blowing up, and any players you're looking for in this one? Well, pre-Fournette blowing up, yes, absolutely. I think I thought the curb stompers were going to win this matchup, mostly because I saw that, you know, they were starting Fournette in the super flex position. They didn't have another quarterback to throw in there. So I was like, oh, okay. So the consistent scoring of a quarterback might be enough for the curb stompers to get their first dub. But, you know, Thursday night football Lenny, I mean, or playoff Lenny or Super Bowl Lenny or whatever you want to call him, he went ham. And... He got six receptions, bro. That's nutty to me. But uh, I'm looking for, uh, like you said, I'm looking for Amon Amon Ross St. Brown to step up and be, uh, you know, that wide receiver that Jared Goff thinks he is. And Jared Goff, like you said, was talking him up saying, oh, we need to get him more involved. We need to get him, you know, some more opportunities, which I fully agree with. You know, maybe TJ Hawkinson, give him a little more, you know what I'm saying? But like Amon Ross, sure, why not to help with it? Uh, Chase Claypool, I love Chase Claypool, bro. I love Chase Claypool. If he wasn't so expensive, I'd be looking to acquire him everywhere I could. I, everywhere I could, excuse me. But he's just too expensive, bro. Everyone knows that, you know, Chase Claypool has that the dominant upside, and everyone wants to roster him. So uh, the price is just way too high for me. But I'm I'm close to putting Chase Claypool in my top twenty dynasty wide receivers. So that's how much I love him. But uh, you know, he's got some consistent, consistent scores, but he also has scores like Terrace Marshall that has been a ghost all season and really, I mean, he's a rookie, so you really can't expect much production out of him. But I, I feel like the Aussies are going to walk away with the dub. Unfortunately, the curbs, uh, unfortunately, curbs just not going to get it done this week. So, yeah, I really wanted to see it happen. I mean, I know he obviously doesn't want to win, but 
I, I really did want to see happen. Um, just uh, just because you made the comment, I will say it now. He uh, Chase Claypool is in my top twenty wide receivers. So that's really oh he do be he do be he's right at twenty. Um, he just made the cut, but I do have so Debo Samuel or Chase Claypool. I have Chase Claypool one spot ahead of him. Really? Yes. Wow. I have him at 20 and Debo at 21. I just don't see it... – Debo, I'm not a huge analytics guy, as you know. I'd use it. I, I'm not blind to it, but I, I'm not huge into it. But Debo just doesn't have the alpha receiver uh, build. He doesn't have the alpha receiver profile to be the guy that Chase Claypool can be for an offense to have those – I mean, he's had those blow-up weeks. Don't get me wrong, Debo. But I, I'm, <laughs> I like Debo. I'd still see Brandon Ayuk taking more of this offense eventually. And honestly, once Trey Lance takes over, we kind of saw it in his one week starting. I see a lot of runs from Trey Lance. He's a stud at it, and they're going to keep pounding the ball in the backfield with whoever's running the ball. I mean, who who knows on a weekly basis with the 49ers. But no, I, I do have Claypool one ahead. I have another question for you, actually, to uh, piggyback off of that. Actually, I have two things to add. First, it's Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool in Dynasty. Because Deontay Johnson, I don't care what you have to say, the drops have been non-existent, and that's been you know his biggest knock. Oh, he drops the ball. First off, drops don't matter. All right, in my opinion, drops don't matter because if you if you have high drops, chances are you're getting a really high target share as well, and he is dominating the target share. I mean, uh, you know, obviously last week via Denver, he only had two targets, but before that, thirteen targets, twelve targets, ten targets. I mean, he just he's target hog, bro. Hey, uh, I, I'm not one of those people to just to stick to my guns and be blind to what I see. I do have Deontay Johnson above Trace Claypool, not a lot okay. above him. I have him at 18. Um, okay, good, good, good. I, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not blind. I, I can, I will change things when I get different information. He has looked much better this season than I think he looked last year in a lot of aspects of his game. Drops cleaned up a ton, which is great to see uh no i he's he is raised in my rankings for sure and he really to be honest he wasn't that far down uh i i didn't like him mostly because uh, you love him and i just didn't like him nearly as much as you did but he i think he was a bottom end wide receiver two or an upper end wide receiver three i don't remember i updated my rankings recently i can't remember where i had him before but he was either he was right at that like 24 25 26 somewhere in that range for me anyways which isn't terribly low uh not terribly high either but i have him 18 yeah Okay. Okay. And then another thing I want to add is I wonder, it, I'm, I'm assuming there's probably a league out there that, that does this, but I'd be really curious to see um, if there's leagues that do points per like yard earned via like defensive pass interference or something like that. Because J- Jalen Rager, I oh think, didn't he have, didn't he have like a total of like a hundred something yards in defensive pass interference yards? Yeah, he, he did. I mean, he, uh, let's be honest here defensive pass interference has made that game close yeah no for sure that, that was super exciting to watch i i really love watching jalen hurts regardless of what you know twitter says and all of that i i i just can't imagine a world where they don't give jalen hurts more time especially this is like his 10th career start or ninth career start one of the two when josh allen looked horrendous his first uh you know his nine first nine ten starts so uh, they have to give Jalen Hurts more time. But the, the point is that I'd be really curious to see if if someone gives, you know, points for defensive pass interference and how that impacts, you know, players and where their, you know, where their ADP is. So 
That'd be one of the weirdest scoring formats I've ever seen, as you can't really predict that. But uh, that'd be really nope. interesting. I mean, it's an it's it's an interesting thing to look at just from an analytics standpoint uh, at actual how players are performing at an NFL level, not necessarily a fantasy level, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. I I mean, I imagine coaches look at that. That's got to be a thing. All right. So uh, now that you're at the end of this saga, uh, we're going to end this guy here. So, hey, thanks for thanks for listening, guys. Let's have a great week six.